You're listening to So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast about the world of writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm your co-host and CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, where you'll find writing courses and an incredibly supportive writing community. I usually co-host this podcast every week with my partner in crime, Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, and her latest book is The Firestar, A Maven and Reeve Mystery, but right around the corner is her next book, The Wolf's Howl. Alison is busy moving house this week, so I am flying solo till she unpacks her boxes, gets her internet connected, and all those fun things that happen when you move, like trying to find your house keys because you've packed them in a box somewhere. I may or may not have done that. Now, I mentioned the wonderfully supportive writing community, and that is no joke. I think that our writing community is fantastic. I love all of you listeners who tune in every week and also in our in-between episodes. I'd love to see you in our Facebook group, by the way, if you haven't yet joined. Just go to Facebook and search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. It's just a group of fantastic people. Now, I want to give a big shout out to Deborah Mackey who not only bothered to write and then enter her flash fiction story in the Wild Atlantic Writing Awards, which is an international award, uh, short story award that is run out of Ireland, as in Ireland, the UK. And uh, uh, Deborah won. Deborah won with her flash fiction story, A Letter to Her Husband's Girlfriend. And I've read the story. I'm going to put the link in the show notes so you can read the story as well. But it's absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Um, (laughs) uh, She's done such a great job. Deborah is also a travel writer. She's done our um, courses in in freelance writing. And now she's won this fantastic award, not only the accolades from the award, but also money, real money. Um, and to top it all off, the nonfiction section of the award um, was also won by an AWC graduate, by Catherine um, McKernan. So, so excited, so excited that um, we've done a sweep there from AWC grads. So, love to see Australian Writer Centre grads kicking it on the world stage. Absolutely fantastic. Congratulations to both of you. I do encourage you to enter writing awards and short story competitions and, you know, writing competitions in general, because it helps keep your momentum going because it gives you something to write for that is, um, that has a deadline and you can potentially win. So sometimes you can win money as is, is this, you know, and as is the case here. Um, but also just the mere fact of winning the award is great, not only for your confidence, but also your resume. So congratulations to both Deborah and Catherine. Now let's move on to, straight on to our giveaway this week. Our giveaway is we have three copies of Book Club A Journal to give away and you have a chance to win one of these three copies. Ever wish you had a place to capture your conversations about books? 
Never again will you have to search far and wide to find your next great read. Whether you're part of an organized book club or you're just after an excuse to spend time with friends, this brightly designed journal is a fantastic resource for your bookish catch-ups. Inside, you'll find plenty of pages to record your personal thoughts, entries to catalogue discussions at club meetings, suggestions for fun group activities, and curated lists of compelling books to try. Book Club, a journal, acknowledges the wide range of interests and reading habits within book clubs, with recommendations organised in a way to help readers discover new voices from all kinds of backgrounds. So just go to writercentre.com.au slash win. Entries close on 19th of July. So that's writercentre.com.au slash win. Now, if Alison was here, I would be asking her if she was ready for the word of the week, but she's not. So hopefully you guys are. Are you guys ready for the word of the week? I hope so, because the word of the week this week is fulgurant. Fulgurant, that's F-U-L-G-U-R-A-N-T. Any idea what it means? Well, it's an adjective which means flashing like lightning, and it can also mean brilliant. So you could say many of our full graduates have won awards for their amazing books and stories, just like Deb and Catherine, right? Fulgurant. And that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1, is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You only need a couple of hours a week and you'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course. Whether your goal is to write a bestseller or simply tell better stories, learn at home with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing. I'm really excited about our writer in residence this week. Now, even though you have heard Pamela Freeman, also known as Pamela Hart before, because we've had her on the podcast before, we're doing something a little bit different this time because her latest book is called Digging Up Dirt. And I was at the launch recently and the book is fantastic. I love it. Now, the reason this is a little bit different is we're doing a deep dive because Digging Up Dirt is known as a cozy mystery, also known as charming crime fiction. (laughs) Uh, And crime fiction is a really broad genre covering everything from, you know, gruesome murder mysteries, thrillers, police procedurals, and at the other end of the spectrum is where you'll find cosy mysteries or charming crime fiction. As with other genres, there are not necessarily rules, but there are certain conventions and tropes that charming crime fiction should follow. And that's what we deep dive into here. And you'll be really quite surprised, I think, if you haven't looked at this area closely, what some of these tropes and conventions are. So there's no better person to learn from than Pamela because not only is she a um, a director of creative writing at the Australian Writers' Centre, she's also author of, this is her 40th book, (laughs) published book, and um, she's written across genres and has studied lots of them and this book is 
awesome. And the second one is already on the way. Whether you are interested in charming crime fiction or not, or even crime fiction, um, I think it's a fascinating insight into what the expectations are from both publishers and readers when you write in a particular genre. So let's have a listen to Pamela Hart. Thank you so much for joining us today, Pamela. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, Val. I'm so excited about this book for so many reasons. Okay, so, but first, Digging Up Dirt, which is your latest novel, Mm -hmm. uh, for listeners who haven't grabbed their own copy, and they should, uh, what is it about? Well, it's a mystery story, a contemporary mystery story uh, set in Sydney. Um, Poppy McGowan is an ABC TV researcher for ABC Kids, and while she's renovating her house, she finds bones under the floorboards. She gets some archaeologists she knows in to see if they're human or not, and one of those archaeologists is murdered, um, and the person who's murdered happens to be an old enemy of poppies. So that's the beginning. Mm, and it is, oh, there's so much to say about this book, but let's just, um, you have written, this is your 40th published 40th book, book yeah. which is insane. Most people dream to have that kind of resume. And you have written in so many different Mm. genres, historical fiction, fantasy, children's, picture books, non-fiction. But this is really, really intriguing because this book is under a genre known as a cosy mystery or a cosy Cozy crime. So, yep. Yes, cozy crime. And I think recently Demix Melbourne described it as charming crime fiction, which I think yes. is a great term I as really well. I really like that because I'm not sure that cozy uh it's not it's not a cozy in the American way. Um so I, I really like that idea of a, a new subgenre of charming crime fiction. I like that I, a lot. I like it too. But for those who have never heard of this term, a cosy, yep. can you define what it is? Well, the, the, the quickest way to do it is to say Miss Marple. Um, mm. She's the beginning of, of this genre where you have an amateur detective and they're usually a woman, mm-hmm. uh, usually written by women, um, and it's not a, they're not a professional detective. Mm-hmm. They get caught up in crimes by, almost by accident, um, and they use their connections and their understanding of people and relationships and, and perception, uh, perceptiveness maybe is a better word, um, to solve the crime. Uh, and it's very, very popular genre in America where it's very sweet, you know, it's much sweeter than it is here. Um, you know, there's... Generally speaking, cosy crime, there's no graphic violence and there's no graphic sex. It all happens off the page. Um, but in America, you're not even allowed to swear even a little bit, you know, <laughs> uh, like the sort of words that Australians think of as just kind of normal conversation. Out. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, um, and the and the characters in those in those American cozies are very. Uh, they're, they're lovely, you know. They're lovely, nice people. Yes. Um, in in Britain, it's a little bit edgy, but not much. Agatha Raisin would be the obvious example there at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's it's about the non-professional basically. So another example straight from America would uh, be Jessica Fletcher from Jessica Murder, Fletcher. She Wrote, right? Absolutely, yes. Mm. Everywhere that woman goes, someone dies, <laughs> um, which is a problem. It is a problem with the Cozy series, which I have plans for, but uh, it is a problem. Um, I always imagine, you know, one of Jessica's friend's daughters getting married and the daughter going, that woman is not coming to my wedding because everywhere <laughs> she goes, people die. Um, but, yes, Jessica Fletcher is absolutely classic cosy crime. What would be another Australian example? Um, Tansy Rayner Roberts. Well, I, I guess that the obvious one is Franny Fisher, mm. um, but it's that's historical cosies really. Yes. Um, and and Franny is kind of semi-professional. You know, she sets herself up as a lady detective eventually. Mm. Um, and I think that often happens that people make that transition to a semi-professional job because otherwise it starts being ridiculous. Um, but certainly Kerry Greenwood, uh, mm. her, her other um, Corinna, uh, the Baker uh, series as well set in Melbourne, that's a contemporary mm-hmm. series. Um, and there are lots of other people writing them, um, but a lot of those people are self-published or published by very small presses. Um, so I think it's only now that the big publishers are coming to realise that that this might be a good time for something that's that's fun and nice as well as having the kind of puzzle element that uh, any crime novel has to have. Yes, because with a crime novel, when, when something needs to be solved, that is the thing that keeps the reader going. I mean, many yes. other things do, characters and other things as well, but that you want to know who done it. You want, to, you know want to know how it unfolds and how it all works in the end. But sometimes when you're reading some of the more graphic, gory kind of, yeah. you know, serial killer kind of um, crime thrillers, it can get a little bit much if you're not in the right headspace. Well, look, I think um, you, you do have to be in the right headspace. And I read all kinds of crime. You know, I read everything from the goriest um, kind of thriller all the way through to the sweetest of the cosies. Mm. Uh, and I love them all, but I have to be in the right mood for each kind. Mm. Um, so I think... Uh, Right now, a lot of people are looking for comfort. You know, it's been a hard year, yeah, hard year and a half. Um, so people are looking for something that's a little more fun, a little more uplifting uh, than than serial killers. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, the whole grim forensic stuff, um, mm. I mean, there's a place for that, obviously, and, and in the right hands. I love it. But too much of it and you start looking at the world with a pretty door expression. Yes, yes. Now, one of the things I'd love to go through some of the because I want to do a bit of a deep dive into cozy, cozy mysteries, because I think not many people have done that. No. <laughs> so, um, I'd love to go through kind of like what the key rules or tropes oh. are for a cozy. You mentioned um, the the violence has to appear has to off, the page. off the page. Right. Mm-hmm. And the violence, like the death should be relatively bloodless. You know, you don't want dismembered corpses or mm. uh, or torture, you know. Mm. Um, people get poisoned or they get shot or they get hit over the head. You know, it's it's more Cluedo kinds of deaths yeah. um, rather than the, the kind of thing that turns up on bones, you know. Mm. Um, and that's quite important because Otherwise, you can't keep up that tone. Mm. 
I mean, if people are discussing really horrific violence and pain that that the victim would have gone through, it's very hard to keep a fairly light tone going because you mm. you look heartless, you know. Um, so I think that that lack of violence, you know, extreme violence is really important. And then the sex thing, sex happens off the page in a cosy. <laughs> Um, so what do you mean the scene ends? <laughs> the scene ends. It's closed. Well, either but nobody has sex at all. That quite often is true. Mm-hmm. Or the only people having sex are the villains. They're, you know, adulterers or something. Oh, right. <laughs> that's very, that's very Miss Marple, you know. Um, or and, and often very true in American cosies is that the only people having sex seem to be the, the, the suspects, you know. It's yeah. a way of making people suspects. Um that's not true in Australia. In Australia, the the cosy detective is is able to have sex, but it happens off the page. Right. You don't get graphic representations of it. Um, <laughs> what extent, and, like, can can they can they passion? To what extent? Oh yes, this kid, kissing <laughs> is fine, and then it, you know it's like a nineteen thirties movie. Yeah, <laughs> and kind of <laughs> fades to black. Um, <laughs> uh, which, frankly, I like because I do find sex scenes tricky they're very Mm. hard to write well I I think you know it's very easy to get it wrong um and uh so it's nice I like I like closed door sex scenes I think that makes it easier for everybody um doesn't stop the reader imagining you know Mm. (laughs) so Mm. um the other thing I guess is that the police are not in the center that they can be in the story but they can't be the driver of the story Mm. uh so one of the things that always irritates me immensely in so many crime novels is where the main character withholds information from the police or or does something that really should be left up to the police to do. Mm. And I'm determined in this series not to do that. You know, if she has information, she will give it to the police. If it's a job like I don't know, checking out someone's house that should be done with a search warrant, then the police mm. will do it, you know. Um, yeah, and I think that that's something that's often kind of not done well in cosies mm. because the police are made into the enemy. Um, and I think that's a mistake. I think you, you can't go too far down that track without the, the, the main character looking stupid, taking mm. stupid risks, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the police are on the peripheral, your character's in the middle, and it's about their understanding of human nature. That's where that's what drives the, the, the her investigation. Mm. Now let's talk about your main character, who is Poppy McGowan. Poppy. Yes. So um, maybe just let readers know what her role is, just so that they can understand her background. Sure. So she's a TV researcher. Um, who has previously worked at the Museum of New South Wales. That's where she gets the archaeologists from. Mm. Um, And she's, um, I I guess the polite way to say it is she's a curious person and the impolite way is to say she's nosy, um, (laughs) as all all cosy crime people have to be. Um, Mm. But she's also somebody who's very easy to talk to. So people tell her the story of their lives and they tell her more than they mean to tell her. Uh, And that, of course, is crucial in her putting information together. Um, she's also a member of the media, and, and that's something that is used um, in this book and also in, in the following books, um, where she has access to things like a camera crew, mm. um, 
and uh, and and links into the News and Current Affairs Department of the ABC. She herself works for Kids TV. Um, I gave her my old job, <laughs> and um, uh, and so she has a very interesting life. You know, she she has all sorts of information that she's picked up along the way, being a researcher, um, which comes in handy at odd times. Mm-hmm. But at the time the book starts, she's living with her parents while she renovates a little house um, around the corner from them uh, in Annandale. And um, that's, of course, where the bones are first found. So it's written in from Poppy's point of view mm-hmm. and um, you really get to, and this is one of the, you know, amusing parts of the, of, of the book, you really get to see hear what's going on in her head and her wry observations on certain things um, as they happen. Uh, what did you have to do to get into Poppy's um, perspective? Um, I think I had to take my censorship hat off. Oh. So this is the first book where I could use all of my vocabulary. And I know that sounds odd, but... <clears throat> When you're writing a fantasy novel or when you're writing historical fiction, you can't use modern terminology. Mm. Um, You know, if you've got people riding around on horses, you can't make a joke about the internet. Um, Mm. And so I've always been very, very careful about using only the words that were around in the period that I'm writing about. Mm And, of course, when I'm writing for children, you can't use your whole vocabulary when you're writing for children either. It's too difficult. Right, yeah. So a lot of of writing, the reason I had so much fun writing Poppy was I could take all of those restrictions off. I could use modern slang. I could use um, information that happened in the last five years, you know, like Mm -hmm. – and and that was so kind of liberating for me. I think I had enormous fun writing her. Uh, yeah, so it was like taking taking the taking the handbrake off. One of the things that you've mentioned to me before is that one of the rules, so to speak, is that the writer must play fair. In that, yes. the clues all have to be there for the reader as well as for the sleuth. Yes. Is that is that not the case with other crime novels? There's a lot of different kinds of crime novels, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, there are some that are, for example, like Columbo, mm. that's called a how catch em rather than a whodunit. Yeah, right. So mm. so the, we always know who the killer is in a Columbo mm. episode and it's about yes. how is Columbo going to outwit them in order to catch them, right? Yeah. Um, so there are certain kinds of novels where that's true, where we always know who the villain is. Um, and there are others where people deliberately withhold information and mm. they tell you that they're doing it. You know, um, uh, Dorothy Sayers wrote Five Red Herrings and at a key moment in the plot she goes, well, you know, the, the clever reader will have noticed something in this scene mm. um, but I'm not going to tell you what it is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so she does play fair in a way, you know, mm. but um, but you have to be very clever indeed to notice what it was. Um and, yes, there are others where psychological thrillers, for example, often withhold information from you um, mm. to get that twist at the end. Um, so, yeah, not all crime novels do play fair with the reader in that sense of allowing the reader to be a kind of 
partner to the detective and, and work it out as they go. Mm. Um, often because the people aren't reading for that. You know, if you're reading, reading a psychological thriller, you're not necessarily reading it for um, for that kind of working out of the plot. Um, mm. you're, re- you're reading it for some other reason. So, yes, there are lots of crime novels that don't play fear in that sense, if, in the sense of you know what the main character knows. Yeah. And usually those are written in third person. Mm. Right? It's very hard to do that in first person. Agatha Christie did it with the murder of Roger Ackroyd um, and, and got everybody hated, <laughs> hated <laughs> her for it. <laughs> but it is very hard to do in first person. When you um, are putting all of the clues in there, are you doing that? Do you know what all of the clues are in your first draft or do you have to go back and insert them in afterwards? Well, in order to know what the clues are, I would have to know who the murderer is and I don't know who the murderer is while I'm writing first draft. So I, I don't find out who the murderer is until the end Till you actually get After the to second the... turning points when I decide who the murderer is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I set up all the suspects. Um, so you set then... up all of the suspects deliberately? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I go, oh, which one of these is going to be the best one? Mm. Um, and so I don't know. And I don't know myself while I'm writing the first draft. And then I go back in second draft and I put in some more red herrings or if there aren't yeah. enough clues about who the murderer is, which was the case in this book, there mm. weren't enough, um, I went back and put in some more. When you set up all the suspects in the first parts, you know, first um, bit of the book, do you have a, a, a number in mind? Like yeah. I need at least X number of people who the reader could conceivably go, oh, I wonder if it's them. I reckon you, you know? need at least four, but that's not something I've ever thought before. I'm only right. saying that in response to your question. Uh-huh. Um, no, uh, I, I just think you have to make it complicated. Um, mm. And if you make it sufficiently complicated, then suspects will kind of turn up. Um, although I have to say – I. You know, I've said to our students many times, Val, that um, the two-thirds point is the tricky point in the book. Mm. And the first thing I do when I finish the first draft is I go back to the two-thirds point and ask myself, what's happening here? Mm. And so often the answer is not very much. And this was a very good example Mm -hmm. of this book had not very much happening at the two-thirds point after I did the first draft. So I invented an entire new suspect there. Right. Um, because I felt like, okay, we need a twist here. We need something going, oh, and, you know, uh, because there was nothing really happening at that point. Mm. Um, So you can put people in afterwards. Mm -hmm. So you said it needs to be sufficiently complicated. Now, the thing is, you're right, it needs to be just the right amount of complication because I've read books that are sometimes so complicated I have to reread so many bits because Mm. I'm too confused. But then I've also read books that, as you say, aren't complicated enough, and I kind of just go, oh, it's like so basic, and I know that. Um, you, how do you know when you have made it sufficiently complicated? Because the beautiful thing about this book, and quite frankly, all of your other books that I've read, um, 
is that you've got the exact right balance and you're never going, oh, I'm so confused, but you're never going, this is too simple, but you're always turning the page. How do you know when you've got the balance? I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that... um, Have a think. (laughs) Okay, I think it's a feeling. But it's also about getting readers, you know. I mean, you've got to get your beta readers in there at that point. Um, I workshop everything. Mm-hmm. So um, if I'm not sure if it's complicated enough, I will get people to read it mm-hmm. and get feedback from them. Um, there is a kind of rhythm to this sort of story, though, and you've, you've, you've got to build your narrative tension but your characters have to be quite distinct from each other so people aren't going, hold on, which one is that? Yeah. So every character has to be really distinct. Mm. Um, And if you can manage that and you've got enough in there to make all of those kind of half dozen people um, plausible suspects, uh, and then once you're past the second turning point, you winnow those away until mm. you've only got a couple left. Mm. Um, so so it's, a, it's a case of like building up and then pulling down again, I think. Mm. One of the other things that you said uh, that's specific to Cozies is that the murderer must be brought to justice with yes. an uplifting ending or a restoration of order and a balance. Can you talk a little bit about that and and why? Um, well, Dorothy Sayers talked about crime fiction as being the most noble of all uh, literature because it's about um, evil being brought to justice. Mm. And there are kinds of there are kinds of crime novels where where murderers don't come to justice, where the murderers win. Um, or where everybody loses, you know, like, okay, we find out who it is, but only because there's no one left standing, everybody's dead, you know, kind mm. of Hamlet. Hamlet's a great example of that. Um, and I think the cosy, in order for it to be cosy, because cosy is about comfort in the end, then you have to leave the story feeling comforted. You have to leave the story feeling everything's going to be all right. And the only way you can really do that is by bringing the murderer to justice. Mm. And so when you um, say that you don't really know who your murderer is or who the, you know, villain is going to be till after the the second turning point, have you ever written, have you ever got to that point and then written the murderer, and then decided, oh, that was so wrong, I'm going to choose a different murderer? Well, I kind of did that with this book where I got to the point where I would be writing the next stage of unveiling of who it is and I thought, no, it's too obvious. Mm. Um, So I went back and thought, well, who else could it be, you know? (laughs) If it's not them, who could it be? Uh, And then I came up with... Um, the person who is actually the murderer. Um, so, yes, and, and of course the advantage to that is that all the clues were there for that mm. other person uh, as a red herring. Um, and, and quite often, I mean, I'm, I'm doing this, the 
structural edit on the second book at the moment. And and I've been vacillating on, or I was, you know, up until this point, I was kind of going, oh, should it be this one? Should it be that one? Um, and yes, so I think, I think that means it's a, a good mystery. I think it means if you get to the end and you can't quite decide who mm. it should be, mm. um, then hopefully your readers won't know. Mm. Mm. I, it kept me guessing right until the end. So, oh, you know, good. definitely, definitely worked. So it's set in contemporary Sydney, yep. which I also love because it's great to, you know, read about your city <laughs> um, in, and to, with so many recognisable um, spots and, and behaviours of people <laughs> and characters that you kind of would see at the local cafe and, yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, did you already have... Book two, you just said that you're edit, writing and editing book two um, in mind. I mean, the plot of book two in mind when you were writing this one, like did you kind of Not think? Not really. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was certainly thinking about it, but I wrote this for fun, you know. So um, I have. <laughs> it's a big commitment to write for fun, you know, a I whole know, novel. I, normally I have a contract, <laughs> you know, so. Normally when I finish a book for a publisher, they'll say, what do you got coming up? And I'll do a story outline and mm. I'll put the proposal to them and they'll go, yeah, great, here's a contract, right? And Or they'll say, yeah, that one doesn't quite work for us. Can I have an, another option? Um, and you do another one and, and they eventually w- you agree on something. Um, so normally I'm writing to contract. Mm-hmm. And um, this one uh, I wasn't. And that was kind of both scary and freeing. Mm. Um, but I'd come out of of doing all the research for Desert Nurse, mm. and and that's it's not a grim book. I hasten to say, but some of the research was very grim indeed, mm. um, because it was about being a nurse for the Gallipoli campaign. Yep. You know, yep. um, and I'll leave that to your imagination. But it was pretty mm. pretty horrible, really, that grim forensic stuff. Mm. Um, and I came out of that thinking, I want to write something with no research at all. Um, which is why I gave her my old job. I didn't even want to research the job of my main character. That's great. <laughs> and, um, and I gave her a lot of my friends, you know, <clears throat> um, a lot of real people in this book. Um, not my, not the family. Poppy's family is not the same as my family, but mm-hmm. um, but her friends are my friends, and and mm-hmm. I workshopped that with them. They they were some of my early readers. Um, I just wanted to write something for fun. Mm. And um, so when I was writing this book, I, in my first draft, I wasn't thinking about the second book. Mm. But by the time I did um, the final draft of it, I was because I really wanted to keep writing her. Mm. And I thought if I can't get her published, like traditionally published, I would self-publish. Mm. Um, and that, you know, that didn't happen, fortunately. Mm. But, I mean, for, Fortunately, only in the sense that I don't have time to mm. publish, you know, because it does take up an enormous amount yes, of Yes, it does. Um, uh, I'm not saying anything bad about self-publishing. I want to make that really clear. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, so by then I was thinking about the next book and that's why there's a scene with Auntie Mary mm-hmm. because Auntie Mary is quite an important character in the next book. So I wanted to establish her in this one. 
I can see a whole series of poppy books and a TV series and, yeah. you know, I think that <laughs> I think that it'd be great. Well, I hope <laughs> so. I mean, you know, we have got the two-book contract and, and um, HarperCollins is talking about a third book. Uh, Brilliant. Because, you know, the response has been fantastic, which is great. Um, so if you want to, if your listeners want poppy to be a series, they should, you know, ask for their libraries to get copies in. That would be really useful. Yes. Um, that's one of the nicest things you can do for an author is ask them, ask your local library to get the book in. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that it will be a series um, and certainly that's how the publisher is talking. And I too mm. think it would be a fantastic TV series. I think that's an excellent idea. Definitely. Now, interestingly, so Poppy's around 30, the character just Poppy. Under, yeah. Just under 30. How did you pick that age? That's how old I was when I was doing that job. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so you were. So I didn't really look. The idea that I put any kind of coherent thought into into the content of this book is wrong. Okay. The coherent thought went into the puzzle. Yeah. All right, but the actual kind of setup of who Poppy was and where she was and what she was doing, I just played with that. Okay. But you said you didn't want to do any research, right? Yeah. So does that mean that the writing of this book was a lot less exhausting than yes. writing the historical fiction books? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It was much easier. It was just, it was, for, it was really fun. And writing is always this kind of, um, uh, kind of push me, pull you, you know, there's the fun part of the, the thinking everything up, right. Which is, is the good part. And then, First draft, you, you're kind of on a wave of sometimes it's great and sometimes it's terrible and sometimes it's great and then it's terrible and, you know, mm. and it goes up and down like that. And that's no matter what you what you write um, and you've just got to keep going and you'll get back to the good part. Um, and uh, then, um, then the drafts happen. Mm. And um, the, the great thing about doing a book, where effectively I didn't do any research. I mean, little tiny bits, but mm. you know, nothing much. Um, really, what I the the good thing is that y you've got nothing stopping you. So, with a historical novel, although I do three months of research before I start working on it, like three months mm. of really solid, dedicated research, um, base and, and building on what I already know about the period, obviously, because. I tend to write in the same period. Mm. Um, even so, as you go through, there are lots of points where you have to stop and yeah. find stuff out. And so I found that writing the historical novels was much more stop-start, mm. whereas with this, once I'd started, I could just keep going. Right. And that was so much fun. What a pleasure. <laughs> really so much fun, yeah. Mm. But um, one of the things that, like we mentioned about Jessica Fletcher, who was a – she was an author, right? Yes, she was. She um, was a crap Her character. Her, and, and, but there was a murder wherever she went. <laughs> wherever so, she went. So obviously there's going to be another poppy book. There's going to be another yeah. mystery. There may be another poppy book. There's going to be another mystery. So how have you <laughs> well, I'm not reconciled? Well, <laughs> The next one, um, it, the point is made in the next one that, you know, uh -huh. things are happening. Right. Um, and then the third one was supposed to be at an archaeological dig in Jordan uh -huh. uh, with Toll. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and unfortunately, I, it was going to be based on me going to a dig. Oh, right. In Jordan. Know, <laughs> yes, in Jordan. So um, this was Good luck with years that. ago. Uh, and, of course, you know, my husband's an archaeologist mm. and um, he was going to be working on the dig and and um, we don't know yet if that dig's going ahead. Mm, mm. They haven't made a formal announcement, but obviously odds are yeah. against it. Um, mm-hmm. If it's not this year, it'll be the year after. Right. Um, and um, so I'm going to have to come up with something in between, a book in between those two. Mm. Uh, but after that... Poppy will pivot um, to becoming a semi-professional. So I'm not not going to tell you how. Okay. Okay. Um, But it will use her media skills. um, And and after that, people will bring her problems. Right. I actually really loved all of the insights into the media, even though having been in the media myself, I learnt quite a lot of stuff. So... um, it was Let's really, really it was interesting. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I have no doubt it is. Um, all right. So, what was the most fun thing about writing this book? Um, I I do love mysteries. You know, I've written, mm. written some children's mysteries, the Tiger Bay mysteries, um, and that was fun. But you you don't kill people off in children's mysteries. You know, it's much yeah. smaller beer. Um, I do love the puzzle. You know, I really enjoyed putting the puzzle together and and making each character just suspicious enough. Yes. But not so suspicious that it that people go, "Oh, it must be them." You know, and then lose interest thinking yes. that they have got the answer. Um, so and I want to jump in here and say, everyone, read this book because the way Pamela does it, it's 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 you never hit over the head. It could be just a slight, you know, um, turn of someone's lip. It could be just a very very subtle nuance that make you think, oh, could it be that person? It's very very clever the way she does it. Sorry, please oh, thank continue. You. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you. Well, I know, and that's fun. That's the fun part for me, mm. I think. Um, and also just being in a contemporary setting was fun. And, and Annandale, you know, I love yeah. Annandale. And, of course, you know, this is based on something that happened to me in that I did renovate a little house in Annandale and I did find bones under the floor. <laughs> um, but I'm a butcher's daughter and I knew they were sheep bones right from the start. <laughs> so, so we didn't go the archaeology route. But mm-hmm. when... When Steve and my husband and I were talking about, you know, well, what, what, how are we going to start this? Because I talk mm. over most of my stories with him. Mm. Um, that came up. You know, I said, oh, well, we did find bones under the floor. And originally I was going to find an actual skeleton. Mm. But then I thought it was more interesting for it to seem like that mm. and then it to be not. Mm. And what was the hardest thing about writing this book? It sounds like you had so much fun. That wasn't any hard bit. So I really did. Um, Well, it's the same thing though. I mean, the thing that is fun is also the thing that is hard, which is balancing all of the suspicions Mm. Um, and, and making sure that, um, making sure that we don't lose sight that someone's dead too. You know, so so yes, Poppy has her kind of wry observations of life, but someone is dead, mm. and and I I 
I think you have to acknowledge that. And so there are moments along the way where Poppy kind of thinks about Julianne, the victim, in a Mm. new way, sees aspects Mm. of her that she hadn't seen before. And they're there specifically to remind the reader that this is, in fact, still about someone dying. Mm. Um, Because otherwise the stakes aren't high enough. Yeah. Uh, If we forget about the victim then the stakes are not high enough. Mm. Uh, and and so you, it, it is about, that's the balancing act. I think that's the hard part between keeping it kind of cosy and lighthearted and funny mm. and then, but then also remembering that this is, a, is about someone being killed. Mm, yes, so the balance exists there as well. So I know in the past I have asked you of your for your top three writing tips for you know aspiring writers who want to um, get their novels published, but I want to get um, more specific this time and ask for your top three writing tips for people who will want to write cosy mysteries. <laughs> Um, well, I'll put you I on think, the spot. I know. Yeah, so. No, I, they're often the, the same. I mean, um, what I would say is Cozy Mysteries is about series. Mm. So when you're creating your, your main character, make sure it's someone you can live with for a long time yeah. um, and that readers will want to live with for a long time. So I think creating um, – that person with a lot of connections is really helpful. Mm. I mean, I don't think anybody who, who has read Digging Up Dirt will be surprised to find out that Poppy has friends in, in useful places in, mm. in subsequent books, you know, because um, she's somebody who makes connections really easily. So so make sure that your your character is complex enough to carry more than one book and that they have a, a, a kind of – interaction with life which means that um that they can go in a number of different directions Mm. um apart from that most of it's what we've been talking about is keeping keeping that level of suspicion even Mm. for a number of different characters so that the reader thinks, oh, it must be them, and then they think, oh, but it could be them. Oh, what about them, you know? And Mm. they might still have their favourite, but they can't be sure who it is. Yeah. But the other – and and then playing fair with that so that you have all the information there. Um, And I guess thirdly, my my preference is to not make – not make the romance – overcome the story so um, Mm. a lot of cozy crime has a romance element as digging up dirt does you know Mm. Um, and and I would avoid the triangle I think that um, publishes a movie away from the triangle that you know the the hunky police detective plus the hunky somebody else you know right Um, and I think it's very big in America but I think in Australia publishers are moving away from that kind of triangle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't want the you don't want it to be about a romance in which crime happens. The crime what do you mean? Still, well, there are books that are romances mm-hmm. in which crime happens. Oh, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a cozy crime is about the crime first and the romance yes. second. Yes. And that has to that has to show itself 
um, not only in plot terms, but also just in the percentage of page that is given to the romance element. Mm. Um, so I, I would say ideally you shouldn't be sure whether they're going to get together. Yeah. Um, for several books. Mm. Uh, so when you're creating the romance, um, you should be trying to keep that up in the air as, as long as you can, but not, you know, not for seven books or something because then just <laughs> but, but, you know, you should have obstacles to that romance that come up um, mm. as indeed, you know, with this one. Um, yes. Yeah, so a cozy crime doesn't have to have a romance element, but they often do. Mm. Uh, and um, I think Kerry Greenwood handled that really well. Uh, in that she yes. often has, you know, a relationship element um, that only lasts for one book uh, and or two books and then they go on their way and I think she handles that really well. Brilliant. All right, so Digging Out Dirt, fantastic. Everyone, get yourself a copy. You won't regret it. Uh, it's a page turner. I, I, it's, it's sweet and it's light and it's funny and yet you're, you know, you're still, you're riveted wondering what's going to happen as you're trying to solve, um, well, you're not trying to solve, as you're watching Poppy solve um, what's but you uh, are trying been to happening. Solve. Well, yes, you are trying to solve yes. it in your head as well. Um, it's, it's brilliantly done. Um, congratulations, Pamela. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Val. Thanks again to Pamela Hart, Digging Up Dirt, by Pamela is published now by HarperCollins Australia and is available in bookstores and libraries and online. And if you've been inspired to write your own charming crime fiction, or perhaps you're more determined than ever to write a gruesome murder thriller, whatever works for you, the best place to start is with our Creative Writing Stage 1 course, which Pamela developed especially for beginner writers, so it's ideal if you're a newbie. You'll learn the nuts and bolts of how to craft a compelling story, realistic characters, and dialogue that sparkles. The step-by-step -step approach to writing is exactly what published author Joanna Nell loved about the course. So have a listen to Joanna's story. It almost sounds a little bit melodramatic to say, but the discovering the course at the Australian Writers really did actually change my life. Through discovering writing, uh, I have completely had a new career. I must admit that I feel a much more sort of fulfilled and, and balanced person uh, as a result of that finding a channel for that creativity. The Creative Writing Stage 1 course was exactly the approach that I needed, that sort of nuts and bolts, step-by-step -step approach. One of the things I found the most useful in the course was actually also one of the most terrifying at, at, at the start, which was giving and receiving of critique. It really is a very important way that a writer can improve. The other great aspects of being a member of the Australian Writers' Centre is that uh, that sense of community. Finding people who are like-minded, your people, your tribe. I'm the author of The Single Ladies of Jacaranda Retirement Village, which is my debut novel. And so really it was completely a dream come true. Often meet many people who say that they would like to write a book but don't know where to start or they have a story but they don't have the time to do it. And I think that this is where somewhere like the Australian Writers' Centre can really show them the way to do it, and it certainly did for me. And I think I'm you know, living proof of what they can achieve. If you'd like to find out more, go to writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing. 
Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentercomau slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.